Welcome back to the Rewind That Tape podcast. This is Mr. Stromboli. And I'm Jay Prubbs. And today we're going to be talking about an NBA reaction episode, really just talking about what we've seen in the league and what some interesting things are starting out with the Eastern Conference. And Mm -hmm. two big things we see here is two teams atop the East, both sitting at 3-0, and both of these teams didn't make the bubble in the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Atlanta Hawks. How surprised are you with these results, Brubs? Yeah, I mean, it's three games into the season, right? And for most of the teams, at least. And, I mean, it's nothing to get so surprised about. Like, a team could win three ga- three of their first games and then, um, you know, lose a bunch more and be at the same spot they were last season. But, uh, I mean, it looks pretty promising. Um the two guards that they had, um, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, have been playing pretty good. They've been both averaging double-digit um, points, and that's really uh, that's really good because these were supposed to be their future point guard and shooting guard. And um, to see them producing after a couple years together is uh, promising for a Cleveland team that uh, looked a bit down in the dumps the past few seasons. And so having something promising like uh, Sexton and Garland really um, figuring it out and playing good from the past three um, games that we saw, they've it seems like they've figured something out. And as well as the center, Andre Drummond, he's come, he's played pretty good. You know, when he was in, with the Pistons, he was, a, he was a top center. I mean, he was a top big man, and he's just continued that um, with Cleveland. And I think that's given them a really um, – really good team a couple good uh good good players that they can build off especially garland and sexton because those guys are young they just got out of the draft yeah and yeah i think one thing that i um want to see a lot more from the Cavs is um isaac okoro because he was the rookie and so i think i just want to see more um more minutes for him and i think that can translate to more production and I think that's what the Cavs should be aiming for is young pro- young production and young development at this point. Yeah, the Cavs also have Colin Sexton putting up 27 points mm-hmm. per game, and, and that really shows how well he's developed over the past yeah, yeah. The, the, the short years in his career because he hasn't played that much. Mm-hmm. You lose all those playoff games as well because you're, you're not making the playoffs and I agree that we see him and Drummond and uh, Garland all playing really well, and those were what the Cavs had planned. Mm-hmm. They wanted a future kind of haul, and that's kind of worked out perfectly for them. I th- also think it's interesting that Kevin Love hasn't been even playing as well as I think that they thought he was, and uh, they're still surviving. So I think even if Colin Sexton isn't able to put up 27 points a game, which eventually that's not going to be that high. Mm-hmm. You have your star veteran in Kevin Love, who, who isn't terrible. I mean, he he's gonna be a guy that will be there, and he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be able to help you guys out. So I think that's huge as well that Kevin Love is still sitting around and and not being used as much as they as much as uh as much as we thought because that's also helping him get rest, get ready, and he's not a young player anymore. Yeah, I think yeah, he's for sure not a young player. He's He's definitely a veteran at this point. And, I mean, for the Cavs, I think uh, right now the best possible um, scenario with Kevin Love is 
I think to get rid of him, to trade him to a contender and re- get some draft stock to get something um, in exchange for Kevin Love, who, if you think about it, he's he's not part of the future plans for Cleveland. He's He doesn't fit with their scenario. They're trying to build young, get some players from the draft, and he's he's an old remnant of the playoff runs with Katie, uh, sorry, LeBron and Kyrie, and I think... I think at this point they just need to get rid of him um, for both teams' sake. I think Kevin Love needs to be somewhere where he can um, win another chip, maybe help a contending team win, um, because he, I think he still has a bit left in his tank as a valuable veteran for a team like the Clippers, maybe, or the Nuggets. And I think the draft stock that the um, Cavs can get back and that they can recoup, I think that's going to be um, very valuable for them because, like I said, they're trying to build for the future, and I think a couple more draft picks won't hurt, especially if you're only giving up a player who isn't really fitting into your schedule or into your plan. Yeah, exactly, and and when you look at the other side, uh, the Cavs are 3-0 and right now, but we do not expect them to continue yeah. to like continue this. I think we're both in agreement that we think this is – this is something that's there, and we have them that high, but they're not. We're not expecting them to stay high, and I think probably is an agreement based mm-hmm. off what he said. Yeah, I mean, this is for sure. I mean, we we don't expect them to go like this. We don't expect them to continue this really good streak. But for a young team, for Garland and Sexton and this entire team, I think it's it's really promising that they got off to this three zero start because it brings so much confidence into the team, and I think. Well, they not, might not be staying um, at the top of the division or at the top of the East. I think getting off to 3-0 start, maybe building off that, going 4-0, 5-1, something like that, I think that can really boost the development of Garland and um, players like that. And, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's just going to be super important for the Cavs. Um, now... Um, now we're going to move on to the Atlanta Hawks, who are also 3-0, but, and they um, seem like they're a bit more um, centered toward winning now after making a couple moves for Bogdan Bogdanovich and um, other players. And But their one star, Trey Young, has been putting up 36 points, and he's he's been playing the most. He's been carrying that offense as usual. Um, what do you think, Mr. Stromboli? Yeah, I think the biggest thing here to note for the Hawks is they didn't have to trade anybody to get what they have right now. Like they still have all of their players. They didn't have to trade anybody. They landed Gallinari. They landed or and they and they got their players, but they still have Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, which I thought were huge to hold on to because both of those are still very young players. And it's showing this year. I mean, mm-hmm. you have your you have uh i think seven play yeah seven hawks players that are above that are in double digits points yeah they're averaging double digits and while that not might not be viable i wouldn't be surprised if it continued because trey young's also putting up a lot more points than he will later up in the season and everybody else is stepping in and i think that's huge cam reddish playing well we saw it towards the end of the year and now he's playing at a high level DeAndre Hunter is another one who's been playing mediocre, but he's playing at a high level. I think the one unicorn we have here that I don't really expect to 
carry mm-hmm. as much lust to carry as much uh star power is Kevin Huter. Yeah. Huter. Yeah, he he's they he's been a good player for the Hawks, but ultimately I think the best move for the Hawks is to move him and to try to acquire some more future mm-hmm. structures, like maybe get a younger player or a draft pick cuz for me, when you look at Kevin, he has 16 points per game here. But when you watch him on the Hawks team, he just—it doesn't feel like he's fitting in as well as yeah. they're trying. I feel like it's more of a force, and taking him out and moving in one of these young players and and Reddish or Hunter, and, mm-hmm. and giving them more playing time, guys on the bench getting more time, all of that. I think that ultimately gives the Hawks a better chance but right now they look really really good and even though i don't think trey Young's going to be able to continue this watching them right now if the season ended today i would have to say that they're contenders with the east with everything that's going on in the east yeah i mean this is a case unlike the Cavs because this hawks team is in contention they're predicted to be at that in the east playoff race i mean maybe not at the top with the celtics and bucks but a little bit lower with a team like the Magic, maybe the um, Pacers, team of that sort, who have both been getting off to great starts, may I add. And Trey Young has been has been great. He's been his usual great self on offense. And I think um, the team around him that they, like signing Gallinari to a big contract, signing Bogdanovich, those, those are things to help um, lighten the load on Trey Young. And I think... I mean, we've seen them produce, but I don't think we've seen them produce at the way that we need because, I mean, Trey Young is still putting up 36 points per, per night, and I think that um, that's what he's been um, asked to do um, to help this team win. But um, I think he should be able to be in that 20-point scoring um, night, and they still win because Gallinari has a 15, 16 points. Bogdanovic yeah. has 15, 16 points, and I think – that's where you look at where this team needs to grow a little bit, maybe get a little more, bit more comfortable with these new additions. Yeah, I agree. And I think another thing is their draft pick, and par- pardon me because I'm about to butcher this, but o- Onieka, o- and I'm not even going to attempt to say that last name, but he hmm. he has a, been a good player throughout his career so far. Uh, he was one of the players that was a part of the Chino Hill squad, I believe in. And uh, he hasn't played his first game due to an injury. But once again, that's another player that should add value. He's a top 10 pick. I think he, he went to the Hawks at six, and you know, yeah. we haven't seen him play yet. And that's another one of those players that could potentially add into the top seven, top eight players for the Hawks. So once again, the Hawks have still so much potential, and they're they're not even there yet. And you see them going 3-0 and and playing – at a high level, and I just want to add that the, a lot of people will maybe be quick to point out that the Cavs' strength of schedule wasn't there. The Hawks played decent teams, and so mm-hmm. did the, the Cavs. Didn't play anybody. T- they they didn't play great, but the Pistons I wouldn't call a great team. Yeah. But when you look at the Hawks, they the Pistons are one of those teams that can give people fits, and I think. Chicago yeah. is another good point where like they they might be zero and three, but they could give people problems. And I think Memphis is going to be a playoff team or in that top ten in the West. And to be quite honest, the top ten in the West is going to be a lot better than the top 
yeah, ten tough. in the East, which is it's it's another thing that you have to look at. And the Hawks may not, have, but they have two tests coming up against Brooklyn, and then they go play the unbeaten Cleveland Cavaliers. And we don't know if they'll be unbeaten, but the Hawks' schedule in the front half looks favorable. And if they yeah. can run out and only and beat one win a win and drop. So I go one and one against Brooklyn in that two game series in, in Brooklyn. They mm-hmm. have smooth sailing after that because you have Cleveland, New York, Charlotte twice. Yeah. Then you get a, another test in Philadelphia. So once again, the Hawks can jump out early, and I think that's when people are going to start paying attention to this team. Yeah. But my question to you is, how do you see the stock, the Hawks' stock right now? Do you think that this team right now is going to be a top? three seed in the East at the end of the season when we're looking at it, just based on what you saw so far and what you think about the other teams in the East so far this year. Um, I have to say that uh, the teams in the East, I mean, the Celtics, the, the, uh, the Bucks, the Nets, I think those are all um, top teams for sure. But uh, I don't see the Atlanta Hawks making that big of a jump in their first season really together with a bunch of um, playoff pieces. I think it might take um, a couple games, or my bad, a couple seasons. I mean, I think getting Bogdanovich in there, getting him into the rotation, I think that's going to take this team a while. I think um, Trey Young, he's he's going to carry the load for this season. I mean, we're going to see them come on, I think, in the later half of the season because – They've had no real training camp. They haven't been able to accustom to each other. And another one of those big additions, Clint Capella, he's he hasn't been there. He was injured, and now he, he hasn't been able to really practice until training camp and everything. So I think this team just has a bunch of young players and new players, and I think that's going to take a time for all these these young and new players to gel and really get to know each other's playing style. And I think... Um, the Atlanta Hawks, they have time because they have a bunch of young guys and they can take a year, maybe even two years. And then and then I think they'll be um, in the top uh, of the East. I think I don't think I would buy their stock right now for a third round, um, my bad, uh, third place team. But I mean, in the future, I think they're a rising stock for sure. Um, I think they're going to be a, at a premier team in the East for a while, for a long time to come. Yeah, the Hawks one of those teams where you look at and and they look fantastic, but how long can is that viable? And and that's the question. And how long can can Trey Young keep up those those points? Which it's gonna come down who's gonna step up and win. I mean, it's not something that you can predict. It's pretty volatile right now, but we'll see how the stocks go for the Hawks. The the stock for the Hawks. Well, it's a nice play on words we'll see if how the hawks yeah. play in the future right now sitting at top the division and atop the east at three and oh atlanta is one of the rising stars but that brings us into our next segment which is a recap of what we saw yesterday and uh really we're just going to be talking about an absolute domination in the dallas mavericks knocking the clippers out just completely KOing them in the first yeah. half and the Clippers struggling to continue to play in the second half. I think the Mavs played a lot of their backups and I think the Clippers at one point just put in a lot of their backups as well. I mean, Kawhi wasn't playing here, but 
that seems to not even matter. Like, let's just say Kawhi puts up 20 points in the first half by some miracle. They're I don't think that the, yeah, the cow, the, the, excuse me, not the Cowboys. The Mavericks are up by 50 at the half. It's a record in the NBA. And not only that, if you watched any of the game, which I know some fans did, this is an absolute domination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, it's just uh, it just shows like this um, team that was supposed to be built on their depth, Lou Williams, Pat Bev, um, all these guys that can come. Like we talked about that all last season, and while that, sure they lost uh, Montrez Harrell, he isn't their entire bench. I mean, sure. He's the sixth man of the year, but you you should have other guys that can step up and play because you have such a depth. That's that's what we thought um, gave them that advantage over the Lakers because the Lakers, they had the better stars. I mean, AD and LeBron are better than Kawhi and Paul George, hands down. But we were like, oh, they get their advantage at the depths. Uh, in the depth, when AD or LeBron are sitting, um, people like Lou Will can go out and play better, play um make up that deficit that might have been lost. But now we're looking at it and we're like, I don't know, the Lakers just look like the better team. They have the better depth because this game should have been Paul George, who is supposed to be your second star, and your depth, your um, rest of your supporting cast. And they went out and they got demolished. I mean, I don't know what um, Ty Lue was doing there on the bench because it – didn't seem like they were making any adjustments because they continued to get blown out. And um, I don't know. I think we can all say that this is an off day for the Clippers, but even on off days, you don't lose. You are you are not down by 50 at the half. I mean, to be honest, the Mavs aren't even at 100%. They don't have KP back. They have um, Lucas playing um, with uh, uh, without his second star, without his sidekick. And, uh, I think that shows how explosive this Mavs offense is, for one, how good Luka is, and then problems on the Clippers' side. Because if you're saying, oh, Kawhi, we just throw him in there and he fixes our 50-point deficit, I don't think that works like that. And Exactly. Yeah, and I, don't, I, I think that this is just a over. This is just going to show up big time when they get in the playoffs, when they get down the, down the stretch, and I think, I think this is a problem that needs to be addressed right here, right now, by Ty Lue and the rest of the staff. Yeah, the Dallas Mavericks, when you look at this team, they played the Clippers last year in the mm-hmm. NBA bubble playoffs, and yeah. they had the Clippers throwing fits. I mean, you had yeah. a game one win where the Mavericks barely lost, and, and a lot of people thought they should have won. Mm-hmm. You had a game three game that was – for, from what I remember, there was either game one or game three. There was a, and uh, in game one, I believe KP got ejected. And, yeah, and and a lot of people disagreed with that, and a lot of people disagreed with the refereeing throughout the series. And the Mavericks, at one point, a lot of people were saying it should have been three one Dallas instead of three one in the favor of the Clippers, but. Once again, when you look at this team, I know the Dallas Mavericks circled this game on their schedule as soon as they lost. As soon as the NBA schedule came out, they knew that this was a game where they needed to happen. And the other thing I noticed is 
Luka Doncic was the favorite for the MVP this year, and he yeah. is certainly showing that he wants that MVP, leading his team in not only points, not only assists, he's also leading in rebounds right now. He's playing like a machine, hmm. and he played well throughout that Clippers game, not to mention the Clippers played at home. Hmm. I think that's the most embarrassing part. Even though there's no crowd, playing at home is easier than playing against on the road because you ha- still have to travel when you're on the road. Yeah. So. Once again, this, this is absolutely team. ridiculous. And, yeah, and and this, what like Prubs just said, this proves what we've been saying about LA. It might, it might not be the, and in my opinion, and I'm going to take this even a step further than what you were saying, Prubs. I don't think it's the battle of LA anymore. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen enough problems on the Clippers side where Kawhi has to rest and yeah, and load management or whatever they're calling his latest injury. And where Paul George is eventually gonna have to do the same thing. Where mm-hmm. I don't see this Clippers team being top two after the regular season because not because they can't. It's yeah. because one lack of management, and two, these players are clearly tired from the bubble. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of other teams got way more rest. And I think that's why this NBA season is gonna be so interesting. Because the bottom teams can now knock off the top teams because they guess what they've been doing while those teams have been battling in the bubble. Nothing. So, and teams might be practicing and stuff, but practicing isn't playing every other day in the playoffs. And the Clippers were one of those teams where we saw fatigue get to them in the Nuggets game. And I see a similar trend where I don't know if I see the Clippers in the final two teams in the West or as a top two seed. Well, I mean, this isn't a matter of like fatigue for one team. This is a matter of fatigue for like, well, I mean, um, sorry, I got mixed up a bit there, but um, there are teams that have been playing longer and harder than the Clippers, the Lakers. Yeah, the, exactly. They, and the Nuggets, for that instance, and the Lake, the Clippers, um, they should be one of the teams that got the most stress um, out of the bubble teams that made it to the playoffs because they only advanced one one round, right? And then yeah, they got so- knocked off by the Nuggets. Yeah, they, I mean, they had a seven-game series against Denver, but yeah, still to the point, there's four teams, at, at least four teams in front of them that got way less rest, not to mention the Clippers basically didn't have much of an offseason. I know we saw Kawhi and Paul George on vacation for part of it. So, I mean, I don't know what's happening with the organization. We saw Doc mm-hmm. Rivers get fired. We saw Tyron Lube get brought in. All that stuff is not in the player's control but what is in the player's control is getting out there and playing yeah and i understand that you're you're afraid to get hurt but guess what when you're losing by 50 to another team that's a potential threat to the top of the conference yeah. mm-hmm. then i think this turns into a whole different story i think that's when you need to worry because once again yeah. the mavericks aren't at full strength and I think it's time to start looking at the Mavericks because when KP gets back, the biggest problem for Dallas last year was they couldn't defend two bigs with the two guys that they had in the front. They had Luka playing against two bigs. And Luka is not going to be guarding the bigs, so he can't do anything on his defense. When you have KP and Dwight Powell fully healthy and back, which Powell is, and Powell hasn't been bad, he Mm -hmm. just hasn't got a lot of attention because he's getting constantly injured. If he's healthy and KP's healthy, all of a sudden you have a lot better defensive matchup, and that might give the the Lakers a little bit of a fit. 
And that's when I see things getting a lot more interesting in the West. Because once mm-hmm. again, there's always a team out of the Southwest. And I know we touched on this in a previous episode, but yeah. I mean, you look at the Southwest and it's just, it's ridiculous. You see mm-hmm. a team out of there every year that's, that has a chance. Well, two teams, really. Yeah. And, and when you look at it, the Spurs have won the conference over and over again. The Rockets have been right in there with the Warriors, like competing. Yeah, for sure. And Paul, yeah. And last year we saw the Mavericks and Rockets both be competitive in the bubble. And we saw a surging Pelicans team. And now we have a Pelicans team, the Memphis team that barely, that got knocked out last year. And then we have the two well, I don't know what to think of the Rockets right now, but now we have another one of those players, uh, one of those teams, excuse me, that looks like they're going to come out of the Southwest and contend in the Mavericks. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say anything too much on the Mavericks because we've only seen three games. Yeah. Once again, I just want to remind everybody we're basing these these takes off of the three games that we've watched. Yeah. We're yeah. not saying that this is going to. Small size. Yeah. Small size. Exactly. So when, when we don't have a big sample, it's hard to kind of tell, but. This is a team when you look at Dallas that's progressed. Yeah. Progressed and they're they're in an upward trend and they're making that diagonal, that linear leap. And when you see that happen, it's exciting to watch not only as a basketball fan, but as a fan of the NBA because now you have another marketable team yeah. in the Dallas Mavericks. With a great owner as well. Yeah, and Mark Cuban's a very animated guy. Mm-hmm. So once again, the NBA another success and when the Rockets went down I mean it's hard to I mean the Rockets I mean probs I know you keep track of the Lone Star State more than yeah than me and Cash Cash unable to join us today but I mean what is going on in Houston like a quick second a quick minute about what what is going on because I think a lot of people are in the dark here because because they had a game postponed and then they lost the game but they didn't. They were competitive in the loss. So are are we like counting them out, or what? What? What do we? What should we expect from the Rockets? I mean, at this point, um, I'm not sure what to expect. I mean, it's probably one of the most unpredictable teams in the league. And you look at a Harden, who you don't know if he's going to get dealt tomorrow. You don't know if he's going to get dealt the next day. So he's really a variable in this equation. But then you have a new coach in Steven Silas, a new GM. And you also have two new stars, DeMarcus Cousin, John Wall, and a new budding star who I say I after watching both those this game, uh, last game that they lost to the Trailblazers, which was really good, and this current game that I just um, wa- watched the first half, which they actually lost to the Nuggets. But uh, Christian Wood has been looking really solid. I think he's going to be a young building block. But um, on to your point about what to expect, I mean, I really have no idea what to expect, but I hope that this new organization, these couple new pieces in place, they can really lead this team to be competitive, but at the same time, get a bit younger. Because we saw um, Morey, Daryl Morey, the GM, he really traded off most of the Rockets' picks to for Chris Paul, Russell Westbrooks, and in trades like that, that really got rid of all of our picks. And now... We're trying to recoup, recoup some value and um, as well as try to keep ourselves competitive. So I think that's 
that's what we should try to um, see from the Rockets as they try and see what happens with Harden and then see what happens with the rest of the team, especially with COVID um, taking out Boogie yeah. Cousins, John Wall, and Eric Gordon, um, among others. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Rockets' stats as a team, you see mm-hmm. that only like nine or eight or nine players on the roster, and that's yeah. not what's actually going on. It's just that those three star players are all out with COVID. And I, I mean, I call Eric Gordon a star because he, he makes the shots when he has to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. every now and then you see one drop from him and, and cousin cousins and wall, if Harden somehow stays looking like a then, competitive team. Yeah, exactly. And you touched on Christian Wood, which you were the one that brought the attention to that from me and cash. And yeah. you've seen him play fantastically so far. Mm-hmm. So, once again, an underrated squad, and I think that's another thing that I mean. That's why I kind of wanted to touch on them because yeah. we don't know what to see from this team, but what we've seen so far is exciting to watch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, more we talk about more on the Rockets, but there's some more troubling news in the NBA, and that is John Morant has gone down with an injury recently and we saw yep. a little bit of reports on a sprained ankle and what what to see but they still have to to get an MRI they still have to show and the x-ray said there there was no fracture but he left the court in a wheelchair that's the concerning yeah. part mm-hmm. of this for the Grizzlies so let's say John Morant goes down for just a few weeks for just just to recover, they just keep it safe. They don't do anything too much on the sprained ankle. I mean, maybe a week or two. Yeah, not not much time. Do you see the Grizzlies regressing here, or do you think that they can hold it up? Because once again, there's a few players on this Grizzlies team that we've seen step up before. Yeah, but are they going to be able to step up without their star guard passing and distributing? I mean, John Morant is the head of this team at this point. He's the he's their star, and I think losing him is is like losing a star player for another team. That's like losing Damian Lillard for the Trailblazers. It's like losing Giannis for the Bucks, really. And so, I mean, this team has capable role players. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's he's really good. I think he's him and Ja are going to be really good together on the Grizzlies, but. When you look at it, there's no one else that can really pick up his pieces, really pick up that production that he had because John Morant was like, he was one of the most productive. He he was the most productive player on this team. He was their star. And so it's just, I can't really see anyone else picking up that pace because he had 36 points per game, right? In these past three games. The next highest is, is Dylan Brooks with 17. That's like more than half uh, that he's scoring more than um, his other teammates. And I think that's just a huge, um, huge deficit for this team. I mean, they're losing their their leading scorer, their leading assist man. And I think that's just going to hurt this team because yeah. they, they need to get off on the right foot. They need to um, get moving quick and they need to get off a fast start because they're going to be bought battling for one of those um lower positions in the in the west because 
there's going to be so many teams that are going to be super talented, like the Suns, like like the um, like the Pelicans that are going to be battling for that eight seven eight speed seed, and the Grizzlies are going to be in there, and they need a a good start to get a maybe a quick head start on the Pelicans or the Suns or to keep up with a team like the Suns who's who've been playing pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and I think the biggest thing here, as you touched on earlier, is we're missing 10 games this NBA season. Yeah, And I know a lot of you guys at home may not see how big that is, but think about it this way. What if there was no bubble regular season, and what if we just went straight into the playoffs? Well, the Memphis Grizzlies would have made a playoff appearance last year. We would not see Dame time in the playoffs. That's one thing that would have changed for sure. So I think that's the the amount of impact that those 10 games will have won't be noticed now, but when the season comes down to it and there's a one-game difference between the Grizzlies and the Pelicans to get into the playoffs, I think that's when things are going to get start get interesting. And every game matters. So once again, as Prub's already said, there's a, nobody behind him. There's nobody behind him that has stepped up. And I think the biggest question is who? And when I look at it, I think the biggest thing from what I've seen the past 10 games that we've seen from Memphis, yeah. so if we go back into the bubble as well, is Grayson Allen stepping up in the bubble mm-hmm. and slowly getting his groove back in the season. I mean, they got an overtime win against the Nets, so I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't put my money on that, but back-to-back losses. Atlanta's a, Atlanta's a good team this year, but San Antonio just can't happen because that's also in your division. And yep. Grayson Allen's put up eight points so far, and he's going to get a lot more playing time now that Jaw's gone. But can he continue? And I think another thing that Memphis fans have to look out for is Jaw was in a boot. Mm-hmm. He was in a boot. So for a sprained ankle, they're taking a lot more precautions than I think a, a lot of teams would. And I think that shows the amount of magnitude that this might have. Like They're yeah. being extra careful because – hey, this is our star. We can't have him get hurt again. So for me, I think Jaw maybe holds out more than that one week expected time and maybe stays out for two just so the team stays safe. Because as a fan, as a fan of NBA, just I'm not a Grizzlies fan by any means, but yeah. as a fan of the NBA and from a Grizzlies point of view, you don't want him to get hurt again. Because if he does, well, your season's over. So, yeah, I mean he's he's your future, he's your present right now, and you want to protect your future. I mean, sure, you might miss the playoffs this season, but think about it. You have a, a John Morant who's healthy, and he hasn't missed this season because of injury, which could lead him down an injury path, like Derrick Rose, for example. And I think, I think just keeping him safe, making sure he's 100% um, recovered so that he he doesn't tear something even worse in his leg. I think that's that for the Grizzlies is a smart move. Yeah, and then when you look at the upcoming schedule for the Grizzlies, Boston, Charlotte, so that's a must win if you want to stay in this race because then you have back-to-back against Los Angeles and Cleveland to finish out the week. So, I mean, it just doesn't look too positive. And and that's in that's the next two weeks, excuse yeah. me. So 
So if you can tread water and hope that he comes back by the time we see Sunday, which is the Lakers, or Tuesday on the back-to-back, mm-hmm. then maybe you have something going for you. But would you rather just see him play against the Lakers? Because I think you know the outcome of that game. And I hate to say that, but you you do have to take and give. And giving Jaw the extra two days might be the difference in him tearing an ACL or, or actually fracturing his ankle and forcing him to go into an even longer injury break, which, which really that's how the Grizzlies have to look at this. That's how the fans yeah. have to look at this. Otherwise, you turn into – uh, like probs just said, a Derrick Rose type of thing where you, you mm-hmm. rush back only to get hurt again. We'll see how John Morant is able to hold up and how the Grizzlies have to tread water already down 1-2 and not a favorable schedule as we just talked about. We're now going to finish off this episode with little probs with the dubs. I'm going to give it over to probs to talk about it. Yeah, so for this probs with the dubs, we're actually – Moving on to uh, MLB, you know, rewind that tape. We don't really cover MLB that much. We have like maybe one article on our um, site, and so this is kind of a rare occurrence. So, um, yeah, don't expect this long term from you guys. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, just some pretty big news that I thought would go with the dubs as the San Diego Padres have actually traded for you Darvish and um, Blake Snell. Both of these guys have been... Um, really um, top pitchers Snell winning the Cy Young I think 2018 and Darvish coming runner-up last year and I think that gives this Padres team that was making a run at the Dodgers last season with uh, some really young bats um, and for um, Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and I think um, adding some star pitchers like this is gonna really might make the difference and I think uh Padres uh Dodgers I think that's going to be a really big game to watch when if hopefully they do come down um in that uh playoff matchup and yeah I think this is a huge job for the Padres who are putting all their chips in um in the playoffs in their championship hopes and I think uh yeah we'll just have to see what happens watch the watch some MLB base MLB baseball and uh see what happens with the Padres yeah, I mean, we saw last year where the Padres had a lot of improvement compared mm-hmm. to the previous year with yeah. behind their bats and their offense. And so adding some star pitchers, which I didn't even think the Padres had enough had enough stuff, things to deal, like assets to deal to get these players, but they figured out a way, and these are two big trades. Snell and Darvish are both players that have had – their name put into the book of pitchers where you don't want to play them. Yeah, for sure. And that may be poorly phrased, but both of these players are veterans. Like they know what's going on. So I think that's another huge deal that not only are you having these guys play on your team, but you're having other people know who who that is. Like who, who, who you don't want to face that guy is, I guess what the point I'm trying to get at. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast episode of Rewind That Tape. Make sure to check out our website at rewindthattape.com for articles 
every single weekend. We will continue on this podcast every single week. Our latest episode featured an M- an NFL-based uh, episode where we talked a little bit about what's going on in the NFL, including the J.J. Watt rant. So make sure you go check that out and hit the yeah. subscribe button. Find us on any social media that you're on, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace.